Welcome to the Witness and Persecution Podcast with Nick and Ruth Ripkin, where we equip you with biblical principles and truths and practices learned from believers in persecution to help you cross the street and cross the ocean with the good news of Jesus Christ. I'm your host, Anthony Ball. And it, as always, if you're enjoying Witness and Persecution, uh, we would love for you to go and like and subscribe on the platform that you listen to Witness and Persecution. And also, we'd love for you to leave a review. That helps us continue to get the word out around the globe. And Nick, you're joining us in the studio today, and we shared this um, a lot of weeks, but we have have around 100 countries where people are listening to Witness of Persecution, and we discovered wow. this week that we have our uh, first listener in Argentina. Uh, so welcome to our listeners in Argentina as well, and the other 100 countries that are listening to us each week. Wow. It's one of the places I would always wanted to go. I've been invited to Brazil about five times, and it's never worked out for me to go there. So um, I'd love to go to South America. Mexico, throughout Mexico, is about the limit of my southern hemisphere uh, visits. But anyway, Anthony, wow. I would really like to talk about, you know, last week we, we really spoke about a lot of trauma and, and, and personal trauma, team trauma, family trauma, and... Uh, even the death of our son. But what I, where I'd like to take us today, and it may, may, may take more today, is, is how do we incorporate uh, trauma into God's story and not separate it from God's story? Um, I, I really, my wife and I were talking today, and, and you know, we're, we're talking about trauma and so care, and, and, uh, and I think we're doing just like we did in the insanity of God. Because the first half was more like the Old Testament, and the second half is like the New Testament, mm. and I, I think I think uh, uh, the those who are in the stories in the Old Testament uh, have taught us a lot, but uh, they didn't have the resurrection. But right. and, and when I say we're going to talk about crucifixion and resurrection, we, we want I want listeners to really understand those aren't balanced. Those aren't balanced because crucifixion mm. has a limit and resurrection mm. doesn't. And so resurrection Amen. wins, but that doesn't help a lot of times in you're in the midst of the, of the battle or you're in water and it's, you know, it's, it's, it's coming up to your chin and you're wondering how you're going to get out of this. But, but uh, so let's talk about how we uh, stay healthy, uh, how we do so care in the midst of just overwhelming trauma, because this is why those three, one of the reasons why the three billion are unreached. And we, we did a whole session Absolutely. on our two sessions on why the unreached are unreached is because uh, in, in the, in the reach countries where 73% of missionaries still are today, mm. still are today. Uh, it's not that it's easy, but, but you got churches, uh, you can plant churches, you've got hospitals, uh, you've got all kinds of things that's going on. You've got places to retreat to. You've got game parks. You've got uh, oceans to go set on the beach. And, and uh, oftentimes in the traumatic places, you don't have any of that. Mm, and, right. and, and the big thing is most denominations won't go to the unreached because you can't go as your denomination. Mm. In, in, among the unreached right now today, I know of two 
organizations, two denominations that have left that identity. Uh, it's important to us and them. Uh, they, they, they've set that aside and they've gone as tent makers uh, on secular platforms. Not, And this is the thing. They are not to give up a thing about learning the language, learning the culture in order to share Jesus just as much as if you're in an open mm. country. Right. And, and you'll find out the only reason why this three billion have yet to come to Christ is because they haven't had a chance. But we sort of fixed on uh, Somalia last time and uh, the moving and the, the death of our son. And, and so what I'd like to do is, is talk about some of the things uh, that we need to do and we need to be in order to not just survive, but eventually thrive in the hardest places on mm. the planet. And one of the things that Ruth and I did within our organization, we were the first workers to go to Islam where there were 70 million Muslims in our area. And, mm. and we had to create something new. And, 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 and the way that you take care of your people is very more intense in the hard places than it would be when there's so many ways to feed yourself and you can walk the streets at night and you can go to church and you can go shopping and you can go to game parks or whatever. Mm. Uh, there's just a, a, an overwhelming sense of the trauma. And so I would suggest as everybody that's a believer that's watching, the, the first thing you've got to have to meet the trauma in your life is, is a strong walk with Jesus with a good, strong biblical foundation. And oftentimes uh, the stories that you're going to tell yourself are, are the David and Goliath stories, the Daniel and the lion's den story. And what you're going to do, you're going to realize you've just brought those stories into present active tense. Mm. And one of the things that cessationalism has done to the church and to followers of Jesus is to put the Bible in the past tense. Absolutely. And what you and you must do when you go among the dangerously unreached, if you don't go with the Bible in present active tense, understanding both the Old Testament, because you're standing in Abraham's shoes, you're standing in Elijah's shoes, you're standing in Daniel's place, you're standing with Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego and having that kind of team. But you are not one percent of the population. Mm. Yet a lot of workers are in countries that on paper are, are 70 percent of the population. Just south of Somalia, you would find places like that. And so you've mm -hmm. got to have a really strong walk with Jesus, knowing him personally, knowing his word. Uh, uh, one of my mentors, I've mentioned it before. He always said to me, Ripken, whenever you have an evangelistic evangelism, a church planning a wall that you can't seem to get over or around is because you're not telling yourself the right biblical story. Hmm. And our churches are increasingly, increasingly living, and this is another podcast, in Romans to Revelation and not telling God's story from Genesis to Acts. And so when they get uh, across the street and across the oceans, they don't have the right tools. Expository hmm. preaching, wow. may I say this? I, I don't know Do that. Jesus ever did it. And, and I think it is a wonderful way uh, uh, to, to uh, dig deeply into the kingdom of God, but then you're mostly limiting yourselves to Romans, to Revelation, because the stories of the Bible don't lend themselves to expository preaching. It lends itself to telling God's story.
Right. And, and especially yeah. for lost people. So you, you want to have that. You, you want to be when, when something happens to you, you remind yourself uh, uh, of an Old Testament character, uh, of, uh, of the life of, of Stephen, uh, the life of, of, of Simon Peter, of Paul and Silas, uh, of Jesus and, mm. and, and his uh, crucifixion. And, and you're going to be able to tell yourself these stories, but you know the end of the story. And, and, and you're going to want to steep yourself in, the, in, in Hebrews 11. Mm. I think the words by faith are mentioned 35 times there, but it talks about the ones who are rescued and all the wonderful ways that God did that and others were tore apart by wild beasts and lions and, and, and buried alive. And, and, and so uh, you can have two peoples in the same place, in the same country, and yet uh, one gets delivered and the other one don't. But the still, uh, we are dead in ourselves and we're alive to Christ and the resurrection then comes into play. Mm. And so I think you've got to have uh, a strong family life. Now, this is not leaving out signals. Uh, I've got something. I've had something with Ruth and our three sons, now two sons. Uh, uh, that has been a, a real part of our story. It will be part of the redemption story today. But I've watched singles in hard places, how they build community for them uh, with the team that they're on, with other partners that have believers in them, uh, you know, secular organizations. And then we help them have a strong church life as we bring them out when things get really tough. And so uh, I, I would put, here's what I would do. I'm listening to stories uh, uh, from women that have been... Uh, Molested is not the right word. I, rape is the right word. I don't mm. think we have children listening to this podcast. That I, I never met a woman for six, the first six months that hadn't been raped eight to 15 times. Mm. Every time they Those went to get Somalia. water. Yeah. Every time they went to get water, they were mm. raped. And, and, I, and wow. I listened to stories from men. Uh, I mean, I'm on scores of men that they raped his wife. They raped his daughters. They, they cut their throats and they left the man alive. Uh, uh, because they know that his living would be uh, harder than his death. Mm. And you're listening to stories. You're, you're listening to people who live in the Old Testament and they've never had an Abraham. Mm. And, and they've never had a Daniel. And, and they, they've never had an Elijah. They've never ever had anybody to take on the evil one. And, and so they don't have any of those stories to fall fall back on. And so what I would do is uh, I, I had a way, I didn't learn it from anybody, but when I heard and witnessed these horrific stories, and people would come into our clinic with our nurses, who are just general nurses, not trauma nurses, and they are broken and shot to pieces, and there's nothing we can do for them. Mm. We, we, we can stem the bleeding, but we just have to send them home to die. Uh, there, there's no trauma people there. Uh, we can't put bones back together. We can't sew limbs on or, you know, and, and just we can't deal with with, uh, you know, serious head wounds. But what I would do and, and, and it took a lot of these. But when I witnessed that three year old girl that weighed 11 pounds that I wanted to bring home mm. and she died while I was 30 minutes in there patching up a kid who had been in a car wreck with cardboard and string uh, and came mm. back and, and, you know, she was dead. But what I do is. I can't handle all of that in the moment. So I put that in a closet in my mind and I shut the door 
And, and sometimes there are a lot of those closets. If I stay in there four or five weeks, uh, maybe mm. at the most six weeks. And so, uh, but what I make sure I don't do is I don't put a lock on the door. I don't lock it away. I'm just temporarily putting it there until I can get to a safe place to deal with it. And, 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 and that's, that's what I did. That's what I did with my wife and my boys. Ruth allowed me when I came out of Somalia and, uh, uh, to, to set up to two or three o'clock in the morning and let me open up this horrible closet by closet by closet and, and tell her everything. And, and, mm. and, 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 and with Ruth, sometimes it became a, an experience of weeping together. And sometimes it became a, a time of worship that of, of God's deliverance of, of that. I made it out alive and, and that our, mm. our, our, our team was okay. But, uh, but she would let me open up these closets in, in my mind. And, and, and then what we would do the next day, uh, we would have a special meal and, and, and gather our three sons together and tell them the stories of Somalia that were appropriate for their age. Mm. And sometimes with our older son, as he became a senior in high school, there were things that I could tell him that of course I wouldn't tell, uh, couldn't tell at that time, the, uh, the, the younger son, but between Ruth and the boys, they allowed me to keep opening these closets and, and get him, uh, you know, cleaned out, make a window in them. And, 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 and it was just real so care to have my wife and children to help me open that up. And Ruth is amazing. And I've watched this <laughs> the opposite in a lot of other f families in open countries where the husband has gone to a meeting for a week and he comes home and the wife meets him at the car and says, I've had these kids to myself for a week to 10 days. Now they're yours. And she goes off somewhere mm. and goes shopping. But what Ruth did that is just so should be in every textbook. Every time I left home to go to one of these places, especially the Somali years, she made it a, a farewell party. She made it a happy time for the boys that, that dad is going in uh, to feed hungry children and dad's going in to save lives. And, 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 and we've got to get behind him and love him and pray for him, lay hands on him. And, and, and she always made it a, a, a time of joy to send me out. And when I came back, she always had a special meal prepared, a special movie time with the kids or a restaurant with the kids that dad's home. Now let's have a party. Mm. Now, listen, I love that. That works. And there's a lot of uh, uh, staff wives and staff husbands of our churches that probably need to do a little bit more of this. And, and what, what I did not know, Anthony, what was happening, our boys were taking this, our stories uh, to school with them. There was a school that was owned by three different denomination mission organizations. And, and our boys, when we moved up from South Africa from being homeschooled, uh, uh, our oldest entered uh, something like the seventh grade. No, um, a little bit less than that because we were there seven years. So um, he, he entered. And then our youngest son was two years, middle son, two years behind him. And our youngest son went into kindergarten. And, mm. and, 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 and here in a Christian school, having our kids in a, a good, safe place, a godly place was uh, 
uh, very important. But what the boys were doing, they were telling dads and moms stories at school and the students were retelling them to their families and retelling them to the uh, faculty and, and, and the staff. And, 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 and even they began to buy into not just what you can do in traditional missions, but what you could do in the hard place, what is possible with God and how to uh, not just survive it, but sometimes thrive in it. Mm. And, and, and those stories just went everywhere. And, and uh, another thing that I did for my mental health, I had gotten uh, uh, a referee's license uh, uh, through the Kentucky uh, government to the uh, athletic association. You know how crazy we are in Kentucky about our <laughs> Kentucky Wildcats and our Louisville Cardinals. And, oh, yeah. And, and, uh, and, and, and I'm no different than that growing up. I'm uh, moderated a little bit. I now have a license plate because I married into a Louisville Cardinal and half of my license plate cover is University of Kentucky and the other half is a Louisville Cardinals. And so House divided. Yeah, no, yeah, when my family jumps me about it, I said this is Switzerland. You know, again, I said it before, this is a neutral country. Uh, uh, I'm a, I don't have to take sides and that's how civil wars start and and, and so I refereed bas- basketball and 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 I can't play it very well, but I could referee it well. And so I would time a lot of my uh, visits in Somalia to come out to referee uh, uh, basketball games that our boys were in. And they played other Christian schools. They played Kenyan schools. And uh, I did that well enough that I did most of the tournaments in Kenya. One oh, time, wow. buddy, I, I did it at Rift Valley Academy. Now, they win all of their games in the fourth quarter and all their soccer games in the last quarter uh, 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 of their games because that school is at 7,000 feet. <laughs> There's no air up there. Good training. <laughs> and so I went up there to a tournament, and the referees they had hired were so bad, uh, one would stand at midcourt, one would stand at the end uh, behind the basket, and they wouldn't move. <laughs> and so they fired them after the first game. And so they had me suit up in my referee's clothes. And I refereed on a Saturday four games running back and forth down the floor wow. at 7,000 feet. And I was so exhausted when I got home, I went to bed. My wife got me up at four. No, she got me up. We had to leave at three because the, the, the C-130 was going to Somalia at 4 a.m. in the morning. So I caught oh. that C-130. And I got into the team house in Mogadishu and I slept for 24 hours and my team thought I died, <laughs> you know, but again, I, I, I think that was overdoing it a little bit, but refereeing my own son's game was very important. And, 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 and I had games where uh, uh, Kenyans or, or, or students from other Christian schools or secular schools, or even from our own schools would get out of bounds and maybe I'd have to call a technical on them, but I'd take them to the side and, and say, as a referee, listen, you're better than this. Mm. And I had students from the school our boys were going to and the team from when our boys were playing that would get out of control and, and drop the F-bomb or something like that in the ball oh, game. Wow. And I'd have to tee them up. But if their attitude really was so bad, what I would do after the game was over, I would drive to their house. 
Oh, no. And I would say to their parents, you know, uh, he lost it today. They said, we were hoping you would come by. That was a pattern. They knew that mm. I'd do. And so I'd go up to his bedroom and, 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 and talk to him. And the first thing he would say, Uncle Nick, I'm so sorry. I shamed mm. you and I shamed my family and I shamed my God. And, and so we just talked about it. And we talk about how to keep your temper under control. And, but the thing is, I did this with not just our own people, but it was a way of investing in, in Christian lives when I didn't have a whole lot of that in Somalia. There wasn't a whole lot of mm, chances right. of, of discipling guys, though I will talk about that when we have a discipleship uh, session. And so refereeing those ball games. Uh, or was a wonderful thing and and uh, uh, what they would have me do as those stories went through that permeated that campus uh, for our, our sons uh, uh, the sophomore and junior and seniors would have a retreat for the week before classes started and for our, our oldest son his junior year and his senior year uh, I got to do his class retreat before they started school and that last one our Middle son was a sophomore, and the Lord just fell on those retreats. And the last one, mm. uh, the, the school, uh, one of the, the school chaplain called me and said, Nick, I want you to come sit in the background of the amphitheater as we debrief our students, our sophomores through seniors, on, on that experience. And I got to hear my sophomore son say, and this is eight months before he went to heaven. He said, mm. you know. I've heard my dad's stories all my life. But at the retreat this weekend, uh, 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 this past week, uh, uh, my dad's stories became my stories with God. Wow. And now they're my stories, and, and I'm making my own way with God. And I set up, and I, I'm not ashamed to say it all, in the back of that amphitheater where no one could see me, and I just wept, wept with mm. joy wept with mm. joy and that's something very tender and special that i take from his home going and and that year that our son was a senior the senior class uh invited me to do their senior baccalaureate speech on the on the soccer field and you know they put up, up a platform and i looked at all the seniors that were graduating with my son and my text was from matthew 10 uh, uh where jesus says i'm sending you out as sheep among wolves and I'm going to let mm. you be arrested and they're going to do bad things to you, but you're going to be able to go to the top of the secular world and the sacred world. And I'm sending you through your persecution. I'm sending you there to be a witness to them. Mm. And, and uh, uh, I, I can't say a majority, but it'd be close to it. of the senior class came back to the mission field. Wow. And Incredible. some of them, some of them, their firstborn son that they had, they named him after our son that died. Mm. We've got little Timothys all over the world born from the students that we got to invest our lives in and that went and that graduated with our son and would have graduated with our second son. Mm. Uh, they invited me back to do the baccalaureate message for our son who died's class but I just wasn't in a place where I could look at all those students and do it. So I didn't fly mm. back to Kenya uh, from the United States to do that. I thought that's one of the few things that I've turned down. I just thought I I've just not healed enough uh, to look them in the face and expect to see my son sitting out there. Mm. 
but I, I hope wow. your listeners are seeing there's uh, that, that what they're doing is, is they're trying to count on. I'm hoping that they're counting on their personal devotions if they're doing them and incorporating God's word in their life and going to church. But what I'm saying to you, that when you get away from uh, uh, organized Christianity, it's not enough. Hmm. How are you going to feed yourself? How are you going to do so tra- uh, care when nobody around you is a Christian, just your team. Right. And, and there were 150 scattered Somalis that were believers and they killed all of them before. So that just adds to the unbelievable trauma and all of their wives, all of their wives within 48 hours went back to Islam once their mm-hmm. husbands were killed. Wow. Well, if you don't learn something from that, you should have stayed home. And, and mm-hmm. so uh, these students are now uh, scattered all over the world. And, and we also were part of a church start, though we were gone most of the time. We were part of a Kenyan church start in a little storefront that has grown into a significant church, much larger today since we left. And, and that church adopted our Somali team. And they would pray over us and pray for us and call us up in the service and, and lay hands on us and, and ask about us and, and, and have us come there to stay, tell our story. And when our son died, when our son died, Pastor Mwanji came to me on Monday after our son died on that Easter Sunday morning. And all these missionaries are flooding our house. Our Hindu uh, Muslim neighbors were coming. Our Kenyan neighbors who were Christians were coming. Food was pouring in. And Pastor Mwaji came and said to me, he said, he said, uh, uh, Ripken, that's what he called me all the time, Ripken, <laughs> uh, uh, once these uh, white people leave and your neighbors leave, uh, your African church is going to come uh, to your house in the evening. And I said, Mwanji, I can't take it. I can't take mm. neighbors and missionaries, white people all day, and then uh, worship with you four hours at night. I, I don't have the emotional capacity to do that. And he, he looked at me so sadly, Anthony, and he asked me, do you know us so little? Mm. And it just broke me. And I said, Pastor, I guess I don't know you like I should. You know what they did? They brought their praise team to our house at dark. And as we're putting our sons, our living sons to bed, weeping over them because we've yet to bury their brother and getting them in bed, making them safe, even though our son is a senior, praying with him and crying over him. And and Ruth and I then would go to bed and when 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 families and some of you may have this, when families lose a child, uh, their marriage either gets a lot stronger or they divorce. Mm. Right. Or, or one of them dies within that marriage. And it's as if they're no longer a participant. And Ruth and I just clung to each other and we prayed together and we wept together and went to bed uh, holding hands. And the whole time for 10 days. Mwanti brought his our Ridgeways Baptist Church uh, praise team to our house. And if you've never heard African harmony singing praises to Jesus, I don't know. Uh, you're just in for a thrill when you get to heaven. And they stood in the living room of our house, seven to ten of them a night, very quietly singing praise songs to Jesus. 
and we put our sons to bed and Ruth and I went to bed holding each other and we went to sleep to each other. We went to sleep uh, having them sing over us for 10 nights. Wow. You know what we call that? We call that church. Right. Absolutely. We call that church. And I hope our listeners take this to heart, especially those who are uh, pastoring our own staff in churches in America. Why can't we do that? Why can't we do that? Uh, Why can't we take our uh, handful of our praise, our best singers, and and take those songs that everybody knows and stand in that living room and sing them to sleep? Mm. It was... All the food and the visits, they were so important. But I will never forget my soul until I meet the angels in heaven will never forget them singing us to sleep in the days before our son was buried and the few days afterwards. Mm. That's what the body of Christ does. And, wow. and, and, and that's not something I planned. But, but part of your soul care is, your, is the body of Christ uh, individually and corporately stepping up and taking care of you. And, and what I would do uh, when I came out of Somalia, and once I spent a day with my wife and a day with my boys, uh, the, I had five men from different organizations, five godly men that were workers themselves uh, in different areas. And I would go out to lunch with them and then spend the whole afternoon with them. And they would ask me the hard questions. How's your marriage? Are you taking care of your kids? Are you feeding your soul? Uh, mm. What has God taught you on this last trip? And, and then again, they would prompt me uh, to keep those closet doors open and tell them those stories. And, and those five brothers uh, were a rock. Mm. I, I, I can't imagine doing normal uh, work anywhere cross-culturally with having five brothers or five sisters like that that you meet with regularly that you hold each other accountable and you pray for each other and you love each other and you are brothers until death. And I'm Mm. still in contact with those people. I mean, all those years later, since 1997, when we got kicked out, I'm still in contact with these brothers. And so we had that strong African body of Jesus. And, and we had the five men that we had that I met with after a day or two that I was out. And, and, and another thing that I think we don't do enough of, I had a lot of lost friends that, in, in Somalia. I had a lot of Muslim Somalis, and, 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 and uh, I need to tell the story uh, somewhere else, but one of them walked five days from Mogadishu to Kenya for our son's funeral. Mm. And, 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 and we had friends uh, 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 in Kenya, that would just show up and pray for us and want to know what's going on with our work and, and would just love on our team and, and feed us and care for us. And, and, and so, but I had Kenyan friends that, that I was mm. witnessing to that weren't in the kingdom of God, you know, other referees, uh, 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 uh teachers and administrators and principals of other schools, Kenyan schools that, that, that I refereed at. And, and that was just a chance uh, to be able to share Christ in a place where uh, you weren't doing it, knowing that you were putting somebody's life at risk for loving Jesus. And, and that was an, important to have. And, and then Ruth and I had already developed, you know what you do? You prepare uh, for crucifixion long before crucifixion happens. That's what Jesus did for three years. Yeah. 
That's what he did in his followers for three years. So he didn't have to die alone. There was a disciple standing at the cross with his mother. And there was another disciple trying to come close to him that denied him three times. But his denial was a result of him trying to go to Jesus. Mm. And, and, and so Ruth and I, from our first five years in Malawi and South Africa, were so tough that our, our, our sending company, when we asked, said, yes, we will pay for you to see a counselor. And so every time we came home from the States, uh, depending on the toughness of the time, we saw a counselor from three to five times, or we saw one uh, uh, every month we were home or twice a month when we were home. And we just had a problem. We just felt that we were worth the investment of what a counselor could pour into us. Right. And, the, and you know what? I went and got my doctorate from seminary. And one day they, they did a, 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 all of the pastors and, and, and denominational workers that were in my doctoral class, and they told me to bring Ruth with me. They did this thing to test their stress level hmm. on 1 to 10. And some of them were at a 7 and 8, and they were saying, we, we're at our limit. We can't take any more. And they saved Ruth and I for last coming out of the apartheid in South Africa, long before Somalia. And on a scale of 1 to 10, our stress level from our environment was 17. Oh, oh no. And the professor said, listen, this is not to put any of you all down, but under God's grace, uh, 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 we're going to use the Ripkins uh, to share with us how you can not only uh, survive, but you can thrive in, in environments that are, are deadly and dangerous, which uh, uh, under apartheid, we got caught in riots uh, three times with my wife, with our boys. And because mm. we spoke the language and so, and I could sing the songs that the, the demonstrators were singing, they would just pass us on through and walk us through. And, 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 and we got into them. Uh, it wasn't a mistake. We just turned the corner and there it was. Mm. And there it was. And, 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 and so uh, when they, and that was before Somalia. I wonder if I took the same stress test. Uh, level <laughs> when we, uh, I would love to go back, but what we did, what we learned is that Ruth and I had, by the time we got to Somalia, built ourselves a circle now, not of secular, but believing counselors in their 40s and 50s, and some of them were older than that. One of them was 70, that, that, and many of them had mission experience or they had trauma experience in hospitals and and fire mm -hmm. departments and things. And, and, and so we would bring them out to the field. And with our Somali team, we just learned by the seat of our pants that we, we would meet for two weeks a year out of everybody would come out of their work environment. And I would have so much money for a retreat uh, from our denomination, but it would cost us twice that much. So I would go to our donors and raise enough money to take our teams to a really nice a uh, 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 game park or, or, or on the ocean or something like that uh, in order that they can really enjoy themselves, let down their hair, and, and I bring a counselor out. And, and so uh, twice a year, one time a year, we would meet to do strategy. Hmm. And that was everything that we did. And once a year, we would meet uh, for so care and, and every Bible study, every conversation, and the counselor would come out. And, and the first year I did that with our teams, uh, from all the countries we were in, uh, uh, they said to me, you're making us see a counselor? 
<laughs> and they found it to be such a healthy, uh, enabling, equipping experience that the second year they came out uh, for the SoCare week, uh, uh, their question was, what time do I see the counselor? Mm. And the third year that they came out, and, and, and the same uh, mechanisms are in place. They said to me virtually, get out of my way. I want to be the first one to see the counselor. You know, I deserve some some care. And so they learned mm. how to feed themselves. Mm. And that counselor would lead the Bible studies for uh, those five to seven days. And they would meet with individuals and have meals with them. And they and if you want to know if a couple with children are helpful, help, healthy, uh, meet with their children. Mm. Listen to what their children wow. are saying. Uh, listen to what their kids are saying about their parents. And we had maybe a hundred nurses come out. Uh, many of them were single, and 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 we found ways for them to build team and and to build friends in Kenya with 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 different single workers. And so when they came out uh, of Somalia, they had people uh, other than us also to talk to and and, and to be with. But what we learned. If Somalia was so tough, it was so off the scale that if our people stayed there more than 30 days, they began to emotionally lose it mm. and they would start shutting down and they start getting angry with each other. Because if you are in a civil war and you're bearing 20 kids a day and there's 93 percent malnutrition and you're dealing with all this, uh, what's happening to women and all the men that are being shot up, uh, 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 when you're stressed, who are you going to take it out on? You're not going to take it out on a guy right. with an AK-47. Mm. You're not going to take it out on a guy with a bazooka. You're not going to take it out on a woman that's been molested multiple times. You're not going to take it out on a starving family. So you have to turn inward and you take it out on your team members. Mm. And so Ruth and I learned that we would bring a couple out or a single out and we would have a two or three, sometimes four hour meal around our table in our house and we would laugh and and they would tell stories and we would tell stories and our boys were a part of that. And sometimes, sometimes those were such holy moments. Uh, Ruth would leave the table. She knew what to do. And she would bring back that cup of grape juice and bring back that unleavened bread that she kept of those crackers. And I would sit at the table and I would talk about the, uh, the, the, the Lord's Supper and talk about Jesus in the open room and break the bread and share it and share the cup. And we would have the Lord's Supper with these brothers and mm. sisters who had just come out of Somalia, knowing that they had been broken and poured out. Mm. And you remember that wow. was done before the resurrection. Right. That's right. And Jesus is doing it with 12 men, one who leaves there to betray him, not still not believing that Jesus was going to be crucified. Somehow he's going to set up his kingdom on earth. And so we would give them a free conversation for about 10 o'clock at night. Our boys are asleep. The guests are gone. And we sit down and we say, now listen, how's the last month been? And you know, it's off the record. You're, this is counted as a free conversation. And mm. they would talk about their team members and say, why have you put me on a team where no one is a Christian? And the, hmm. they're all workers. You know, they're all from churches in the state and they would use bad language. Uh, this person, I just blank, blank, blank hate to serve with them. So, I mean, who are they going to take their stress out on? And so we would listen and listen and listen and it would get to midnight or after and they would go to bed. Uh, one nurse came out 
and she went to sleep the first night and uh, 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 she's an older lady that had been divorced for many, many years. And, and I asked her, how did you sleep last night? She said, I couldn't sleep. I said, why? She said, there was no gunfire. Wow. It was so quiet. I, I, I didn't know what was going on. I, I didn't hear any ro rockets launched. I, I didn't hear AKs going off. And, and so I, I kept waiting for something to happen and, and, and I was nervous and it was just too quiet. So, well, she had to stay out a little bit longer, mm. but, but they wow. would, uh, Anthony in seven years, once we learned to do this and no one taught it to us because is what we learned that we needed for ourselves, but that we would have that free conversation and Anthony, a hundred percent of the time in seven years, they would come to breakfast and they would look sheepish and sad and they'd wait till the boys go off to school and they would look at Ruth and I and say, I wish we didn't say all that stuff last night. And mm. Ruth would say, what did you say? It's gone. <laughs> it was free. Mm. It doesn't exist. If you can let it go, we'll, we let it go. Mm. Now, if on Sunday after they've been shopping, uh, have gone to places and bought curios, and they've shopped for things they want to take back into Mogadishu with them or wherever they are, other places that I won't name because we still have people wandering around there and, and uh, they, they, they could go shopping. They could go out to nice restaurants and uh, they could gather their friends. They could go to church. Mm. And by Sunday night, they're ready to get on that C-130 and fly back in Somalia and do another month. And if we let them stay in a week past a month, we had to keep them out a week before they got healthy again. Mm. That's the kind of soul care that we provided for one another and learn that in all kinds of situations. And that's what pastors do. A lot of times counselors do a lot of times is they just give people a free conversation and just got him, got them through it. And, and guess, I guess I learned that by osmosis. Maybe that's how Ruth and I applied it, but no one had ever called it that, but that's the name uh, that, that we gave to it, uh, uh, having that strategy week and then having, uh, that week, uh, that where we just did counseling and took care of our people. Hey everybody, this is your host, Anthony with witness and persecution because of the content, the amount of content and the length of this episode, we've decided to break it up into two episodes. So what you just heard is the first half and next week, we will drop the second half of this episode. And so we want to say thank you for listening to Witness and Persecution. Like we mentioned every week, you can leave a review. You can like and subscribe. That helps us get the word out about Witness and Persecution. And so we want you to look forward to next week to the second half of this episode dropping. Like we always mention, if you would like more information about our ministry, including how to, to support Nick Ripken Ministries, you can go to our website www.nickripkin.com again that's www.nickripkin.com and again look for the second half of this episode next week until that next time we'll see you then <laughs>